Harrison Price for Thursday, July 20th, 2023. Coming in, coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a spot for a drink or a meal out by the airport, we suggest the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR. Eat locally fresh and eat well. Mansa Curse alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things. And this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, and I am going to be out at a Cops for Cancer event at Applewood Nissan Langley later this afternoon, which is a huge fundraiser, this Cops for Cancer program for pediatric cancers and research. We told you earlier in the week about the animal hospital above the Applewood Mitsubishi dealership at the Richmond Auto Mall. We have told you about Applewood's community giving and how they find it a mission to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with each and every day. So The only thing they love more than cars, and they love them some cars, oh, ever? is uh, helping out the community. Yeah, so. we talked about the Cars for Grads program as well being done by the Applewood Auto Group. So we invite you to head to an Applewood dealership like Applewood Nissan Langley, where you can get in the 23 kicks for $65 weekly because, Blake Price, it is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, who would you be most excited to see in Seattle this weekend? The Blue Jays, the Mariners, Taylor Swift, or none of the above? You can vote at Sikharitson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog line of the day for me, Club Leon and Whitecaps tomorrow at BC Place. They're both plus 160 to win the game. So Vanny called them the best team on the continent. We know how good the Whitecaps are at, home. at BC Place. Yeah. Maybe a bit of a toss-up there for the odds makers. The draw pays plus 245. But after what Vanny told us about how he's just going to let the horses run, See if they can score some goals because let's face it, you got two kicks of the can here to advance in this group stage of League's Cup. I'm going to go over 2.5 goals. $118 bet pays you 100 on your Bodog line of the day. And I'm going Taylor Swift to answer the poll question um, because well, you you were obliged to because uh, the Price family is going on mass. Well, I, it's more just that it, that's a more exclusive event. It's, it's impossible to get tickets. She's not coming to Canada, which is really too bad. It's, I've seen a lot of griping about that. I mean, oh, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a tour manager. Well, you can come just up the I five here, yeah, and you got a stadium of fifty five thousand. That you know, it seems for the most part that's the reason that she didn't do a Canadian tour. Is just the venues aren't big enough. Well, BC um, Place is big you enough. You think BC Place is big enough? Yeah. Well, you got people on the field, and it's more than big enough. Yeah. Yeah. You think you could do Montreal and Vancouver pretty easily? I'm not sure you want to do the Olympic Stadium. Well, it's just bums and seats. I'm not sure you want to do the Olympic Stadium. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I'm not sure that's on brand for her. Oh, well, that's, that's an old, true. decrepit facility. Yeah, um, I'm sure the acoustics probably are not smashing. I, last either. time I was in there, granted, it was almost 15 years ago now for a Grey Cup. Yeah, 
a lot of things were wanting. Anyway, two 500 baseball teams can't compete with well, T. Uh, hey, come on. Blue Jays are a little better than 500, aren't uh, they? They are up to 10 games above 500 yeah, with their recent form. On. They were 500 at the All-Star break, effectively, but they've been better. Uh, so the Price family's going on mass, but Dad didn't make the cut, huh? No. No. It's too bad. Yeah. It's okay. What are you going to do? There's somebody's, another There's another dad who didn't make the cut? Yeah. Somebody's got to drink beer in the pub. So okay. I don't mind that. Have you seen the video of the dads yes. waiting outside the Taylor socks Swift? And the sandaled dads. socks and sandal dads who congregate and wait for their children yeah. to come out of the Taylor Swift concert. And they're like in a pen almost. like It's like a dad pen uh, waiting for yeah. all the kids to come out. So I voted Blue Jays, as you know. I... Uh, I do like to go down and support Canada's team when they make it to Rogers Center West. So we'll be going Friday and Saturday with some associates here uh, from Go Goat Sports. So looking forward to that. I'm going to see Captain Greg Bell and his better half, Wendy, uh, for a pregame bevy. And uh, I suspect you will see, as per usual, a ton of Blue Jays fans at T-Mobile over the weekend. Now, all that said... An enormous sports weekend here locally in Vancouver yeah. with the Caps facing Club Leon, this Mexican side. Um, there is, Blake, one of the biggest differences that I have noticed in my 16 years here in Vancouver, the amount of Spanish that I hear spoken around the city, particularly downtown and in Kits. I suspect you're going to get some turnout from the Club Leon side and some of the Mexican fans who now live in our city or make their way to our city. Uh, this is a special tournament on a Friday night, which I think is a very good night for the Whitecaps fans and their demographic, particularly those in the south south side of the stadium. So this is going to be a big one tomorrow night. And then needless to say, with the Lions already having opened the upper bowl, for Saturday's big tilt against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I think you're going to see a fabulous crowd Saturday as well for BC and Saskatchewan. Sneaky communities in Vancouver that you don't really see all every day but are big in numbers, the Brazilian community is getting very big. I hear we were sitting beside um, uh, Brazilians at Jericho Beach last week. They're everywhere. I hear Portuguese a ton now on the beaches. Brazilians, and the Mexicans. And Saskatchewanians. Yes. They're that sneaky. is correct. They are around you. They walk amongst us. Yes. And very good use of the term Saskatchewanians, Blake. We have to correct young Grady Sass later in the program. On prairie people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what we call them. Uh, <laughs> when I was in journalism school, there was the Canadian press style guide. Sure which gave you the correct name for people from all these communities across Canada, Saskatchewanian was followed by brackets, avoid. (laughs) Use people from Saskatchewan. Yes. (laughs) It's like the Halifax one, too. Uh, Not many people know. Oh, no, I like Haligonians. Haligonians. I do like Haligonians. Almost as good as Liverpudlians with the Open Championship there at Royal Liverpool and Hoy Lake. Okay. Yesterday's Bodog poll question, can you afford to go to Canucks games? Yes or no? Got more than 2,600 votes on this, Blake. What did the people say? People said no. They said no. Percentage? 71. 77 and a half said no. 
Terry says, only when they stink and the secondary market plummets. So, yes, I can afford to go every year after December. Sometimes even after after October. It's a great point. Like people lament scalpers and ticket brokers and all that sort of stuff. But you're right. They uh, there is a gamble for ticket brokers, and that is. And the Canucks have not been a good gamble for them. Is it? You can rake in all the tickets you want, but if if the Canucks season goes in the tank in the first two months, you've got sixty game. Well, not sixty home games, but you've got you know twenty eight home games of inventory that don't have a lot of demand for them. It hasn't been a good business model for the last decade. Chef Swagger, and no one in the kitchen has Swagger like Chef. I'd have to be extra frugal for a couple of months in order to afford a Canucks game, and that's just for the tickets. That's not including dinner before the game. I mean, Chef, you can whip it food up. Food and yeah. drinks at the game and transportation home. And I hear you on transportation as well if you live outside the city, if you don't live near public transportation. And we know this to be the case. We have sat at feedback channels, Blake and I, for... 12 years together mm-hmm. and heard from Canucks fans. And oftentimes you will see messages about this is the one game a year that we take the family to and we make sure we save up so that we can have a an evening at Rogers Arena. Chris says, uh, yes, but I choose not to. I refuse to give this owner any of my money until he commits to building a cup contender. And I do think there are a lot of people in this community who are out until they see a philosophy from the club that is a little more aspirational than we plan to make the playoffs or play meaningful games in March or April. All that said, that is sort of the baby step that these Vancouver Canucks need to Mm -hmm. take next. Speaking thereof, I caught this from Trevor Beggs of Daily Hive. There was a story written in one of the North Carolina newspapers, Blake, explaining that the Carolina Hurricanes would be comfortable trading Brett Pesci because of the rise of Jalen Chatfield. Wow. Could be a top four defense. Wow. And Trevor writes, wow, that's the mid-July salt in the wound. I, I, I think Chatfield has been a good fit in that system. Carolina does play differently than a lot of clubs in the National Hockey League. Uh, I would be a little worried if you're asking Chatfield to hold down Brett Pesci minutes, but of course they have Brady Shea there as well. And I know a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans look at Brett Pesci and go, boy, what an ideal playing partner for Quinn Hughes. He's a right-shot defensive defenseman. Mm -hmm. He's exactly the sort of profile that you want playing with Hughes. Now, Cole or Susie or Andor Susie would be a poor man's Brett Pesci or Brett Pesci light. Here's the thing. Pesci is one of a number of NHL luminaries that is heading into the final year of his contract. Greg Wyshynski of ESPN has put a story together about the 2024 UFA class and how it could be a banner class. Now, as we know, a lot of these guys are not going to get to unrestricted free agency. It's a very conservative sport. Not a whole lot of guys bet on themselves or do like Johnny Goudreau and say, hey, I want to get to free agency. I'm going to play out the rest of my contract. And, of course, on the GM side and the ownership side, a lot of guys are worried about losing players of this level and so go about 
locking them up. But just this is a sampling of the names that could be out there next summer, Blake. Austin Matthews, Sebastian Ajo, Brett Pesci, Noah Hannafin, Steven Stamkos, Brandon Montour, Willie Nylander, Connor Hellebuck, Tyler Bertuzzi, Devin, uh, Devon Taves, Elias Lindholm, Jake Gensel, Mark Scheifele, on and on. Yeah, but you can't play that game now. Everybody gets no, signed. But but not everybody. Not everybody, but literally. He, but. Here's what I'm saying. Some of these names are familiar to us in the trade rumor this summer. Hellebuck, Hannafin, Pesci, Shifley, Lindholm. I would bet there's a few scenarios out there that haven't quite leaked out publicly where you have the team going, I'm not sure we're going to be able to resign this guy. Or you have the player who has told the team, I'm going to be pursuing unrestricted free agency unless you knock my socks off. Well, there's a lot of guys in there already. The the, the two Jets in particular. Right. What I'm saying is we have had a very slow summer to date on the NHL transaction front. I do wonder whether this could be a different year where things get really heated up with some of these bigger names who are a year away from UFA. I'm thinking about the summer where we saw the Weber for Subban trade, where we saw the Larson for Hall trade. I do wonder whether there's some blockbusters to make this summer, particularly since you have a lot of teams that are capped out. So if you're trading a player of this level, and let's face it, they usually come with commensurate salary, Mm -hmm. you sort of need to even out the money and the cap hit going each way. Now, I doubt the Vancouver Canucks are involved in any of this. Although, would it blow your socks off, Blake, if they moved Besser and future assets to try and bring in one of these names now? I I, I think if they could do that, they would do that. I, I just don't think that's a f- available to them right now. They, I, I think they've been trying to be creative in moving out these wingers or converting the winger cap hit into a defenseman cap hit, but... Much easier said than done, and uh, that's why the sweeteners part of of this has been mentioned before. Of are you willing to pay to move off the contracts? Now that generally has been within the context of for nothing, just to get out from the contract. If you get something back, that's different. But again, prepare to be. If you are a huge Brock Besser fan, you might be underwhelmed then by what ends up coming back in terms of a defenseman. Um, it may not be the one that you want may not be a spectacular top pair defenseman, which is what you everybody is sort of dreaming about. So it's possible. Let but. me ask you this. Did a welcome ad earlier in the week on how one of the big favors the Canucks could get this year or this summer is if Winnipeg and Kevin Day off and Calgary and new GM Craig Conroy go through some degree of retool, if not rebuild, moving out some of these names What's your spotty sense telling you on Winnipeg and Calgary? Do you actually think Shifley and Hellebuck are going to get moved? Do you actually think Lindholm, Backlund, Hannafin, maybe even Chris Tanef are getting moved? Well, we're not going six for six there, but I would say at least one Winnipeg guy moves, and I would say one or two Calgary guys move. But um, I would suspect that that, it, that would only be an indirect effect on the Canucks because I don't think they're going to deal with the Canucks. In particular no, but the what I mean is if they weaken themselves, yeah. then it helps. Yeah. Those were the last two teams fighting for the final Western Conference playoff spot. Winnipeg got it. Calgary fell short. Mm-hmm. So those are two of the teams you have to jump if you're Vancouver. And I, I, I think that even 
And I think one or two could be jumpable here, depending on what they do with their roster, especially if Calgary is interested in making Toffoli for Sharon Ganoff, uh, 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 sorry, Sharon Govich, and a pick type deals. I think that even Calgary's just status quo has the potential to be self-destructive enough really? that, that they're jumpable. I Because I, I, Calgary's I roster tip to tail is better than Vancouver. I don't mind the roster at all, but something is amiss there. Yeah, and and, and it wasn't just Daryl Sutter or he caused damage because everybody wants out and Sutter's gone. So mm-hmm. that doesn't jive. BC Lions, as we mentioned, Saturday, 4 p.m. kickoff against Saskatchewan. Expecting a very big crowd there. Watermelon smash competition here. Watermelon eating competition. All the fun on the plaza starts at 11. Of course, $5 beers, $5 watermelon margaritas. Tickets start at $25, uh, including $10 for 17 and under. We've talked about how BC is a big favorite here. Blake, the Lions, and we even talked about how healthy they are. The Lions... (laughs) have one player on their injury report, reserve defensive back Patrice Rene, who has missed practice this week. Saskatchewan has nine players who missed practice or were limited yesterday. And, of course, we know the quarterback's going to be Mason Fine, not Trevor Harris, after his big injury last week against Calgary. This is one the Lions can't let get away. Like, if you want to prove you're a good team or a great team or the best team in the West, this is one you need to get against a stripped-down Saskatchewan Riders club. We'll see how many of these nine guys wind up playing on Saturday. And I'll remind you, the Lions were doing very well last year, and they lost a home game to Saskatchewan. So this is your proverbial banana peel if you're BC. Don't slip up. Focus got to be there. Guys got to play hard. Play hard, avoid mistakes. This should be a W, and this could even be an easy W. They're a 10-point favorite. We know Ryder Faithful travel well everywhere, but I think they get an extra kick because they they get surprised. I think they get surprised every time they come out here about their support that they get. They, of course, get support across the prairies because it's such an easy road game to hit for, for even the people in Regina and Saskatoon, to drive to those three markets. But I think they get especially a kick out of the fact that there's so many uh, you know, Riders fans here in Vancouver. Well, and let's face it, they're in a great mood because they're in vacation on a West Coast holiday. You know, one mm-hmm. of these markets does not look like the other ones, That's and true. that is Vancouver, British Columbia versus Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. It's our West Coast Shangri-La it is that they indulge in. Okay, Club Leon tomorrow against uh, Vanny Sartini and the Whitecaps. He called them the best team on the continent. What level of roster player do they have here? Like, give us some context here, Blake, of what we're looking at with this Mexican side coming in. Well, because as we've discussed, you know, when we first started covering the Whitecaps as an MLS side, I think pretty much anyone who knew anything about soccer would tell you that League MX is bigger than. MLS. It's a better league. I can remember the first time the Caps qualified for Champions League and faced a Mexican side, and it was pretty clear that one of these things was not like the other. But we've seen a winnowing, a narrowing, right, between the two leagues. MLS has gotten better. For sure. And the Mexican soccer juggernaut hasn't turned out the players that we've been accustomed to over the decades. Is that all fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I... 
the Mexican players that used to star in League MX, and some still do, I'm not saying they've all left, but have now seen MLS as sort of a a fun thing to try on for size and uh, and make the move to to Major League Soccer as well. This was a pretty old team uh, that had a lot of, uh, you know, sort of legends um, on it. They're starting to turn it over now. Um, but they don't have a ton of, like, cornerstone Mexican national team players. They've got uh, the winger, Elias Hernandez, who's got 25 caps and a quartet of goals, but he's a 35-year-old. He's not exactly at the top of his game. Uh, they've got a Colombian national teamer, uh, William Tasio, who's their center back, um, and he's got 30 caps for Colombia. So that makes you seem like uh, probably pretty stout defensively. Yeah. Um, That's but, a pretty good side if you've appeared 30 times for them. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think they're, again, they're just champion, not just, but they're champion. They're not Liga MX champs, but they're Champions League champs. So, Clearly capable, and and maybe you could make the argument they're a good tournament team based on that. Um, mm-hmm. They rise to the occasion there, but I think we uh, we don't quite know what to under, uh, what to expect from them. Nor do we know what to expect out of Vanny's eleven. Like I, I'm curious as mm-hmm. to what Vanny throws out there here. We think Hassal in goal. I think at some point I don't know about game one, but he's certainly playing in League's Cup. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're leading. Maybe with he him. gets the Galaxy game, yeah. but. You know, again, as Vanny explained, if you lose this one, you get another kick of the can. Yeah, you can't lose the second one. No, so maybe unless you, lead, you win this one, maybe you lead with a Saul, thinking, you know, it could ca- be a tough night, anyways. Catch lightning in a bottle and 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 see what happens, and then throw everything you can at Galaxy. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Beating Galaxy twice in a row is going to be tough, especially going down to LA to beat Galaxy as well, right? So they just had a really nice outing versus Galaxy, but. You know, Galaxy will remember that. It was only a few days ago. Does Galaxy have the talent to play with them? I actually played, it's one of the worst uh, teams in the West. Seven right? match unbeaten streak, though, going into That's that fair. game. Right? <laughs> Let's get to today's menu brought to you by DeDutch. De breakfast, de brunch, de lunch. Get it all at DeDutch. Our dear friend Adnan Verk is going to join us from Major League Baseball Network, also NHL Network. Take a look at this Blue Jays Mariners series coming up down Seattle way. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. Trump Turnberry won't be hosting an open championship anytime soon. Plus we're leaving politics aside at the FIFA women's world cup, or at least in the rear view mirror as Canada faces Nigeria tonight, seven 30, the opener match day one at the FIFA women's world cup down under this should be a victory for Canada. Nigeria is your proverbial minnow in their group, so got to get this one and cannot be distracted by everything that has gone on here with the politics and the financial agreement between Canada Soccer and its players. Rob Williams, Rob the hockey guy, will stop by. We'll talk Canucks backup goaltending. Rob's got a, a hotter take there as well as Aluminum beer cups at BC Place making their debut. Works as a souvenir, but also keeps your suds colder longer Yeah, while you're at the game. I'm very intrigued by this. Time now for the Golf Report, brought to you by the Arnold Palmer-designed Whistler Golf Club, where we spent a magnificent afternoon yesterday playing with general manager Al Chris Manson. We had a post 
round drink and dinner at Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill. I had a Palmer, in fact. I actually you ordered had an a Palmer. Palmer. Yeah. So Grady and I are sitting there just finishing up dinner and, of course, paying the bill, or we thought paying the bill. Thank you, Al. And Grady says, I see a bear. What? In the reflection. Grady rushes out with the camera. I'm like, don't run full tilt at the bear. But we got a little snippet of video there. We've told you about the bears at the Whistler Golf Club mm-hmm. for years now, but we saw one, and he was a big boy. Or she was a big boy. Anyways. <laughs> Looking for big my girl. big girl. She's a big girl. Yeah. yeah. said O's. <laughs> Plural balls, because I lost many. Yes. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, Blake was talking smack. This was the round where he was going to score at the Whistler Golf Club. <clears throat> holes six through eighteen, I did. He was talking smack. Unfortunately, to holes through one, one through five count as well. He's talking smack to himself for a while there. Yeah, mm-hmm. had to give him his own little personal space. Didn't want to get too close. It was smart. And um, <clears throat> Grady was often uh, bipsick. <laughs> Ball in pocket. Sitting in cart. Correct. Yeah. Getting content for the show. That's right. He was up there to get social content. I have content. a mental reset, and it seemed to work a bit. <laughs> Corey Connors, two over at the Open Championship. Nick Taylor's late in his round at two over as we record this. So not a banner day for the Canadians. So Tommy Fleetwood is right there. My pick, the Englishman looking to break the drought. Of Englishmen at the Open Championship. Haven't won since Faldo. Haven't won in England since even longer than that. Couple of things on the course here. Uh, We've talked about these hellish bunkers, uh, particularly the one in front of 17, this new itty-bitty par 3 that is bunkered and plays right into the wind and just could be a nightmare if you don't hit the putting surface. Podrick Harrington tweeted, and you wonder how much grumbling you may hear now after tomorrow when guys get cut. Here's Podrick Harrington, former Open champion. Interesting bunkers this week. I think he's very, very, very political. Yes. They've flattened out the bottom of them so the ball will not roll back from the face. So a double whammy of being stuck close to the face without the benefit of the slight upslope, which you would normally expect. Definitely to be avoided, as you won't get lucky all week and draw nice lies. Wow. Look, this course, like a lot of these Rota courses for the Open Championship, was designed a century and a half ago or more, and not necessarily to accommodate a PGA Tour professional that now carries the ball 320 yards in some cases with these modern drivers and modern golf balls. So I am A-OK with the RNA setting this course up to be that sort of penal in yeah, the bunkers don't care. Don't care. because the length of the course is not going to be an issue for anybody in the field. Yeah, you got to have some trouble somewhere. What I want to know is when they designed these back in the day, man, I'm guessing the quality of the club, iron and club, like were they getting like 60 degree wedges and stuff like that? Like how were they getting out of the said bunkers way back when? You'll have to do some reading on old Tom Morris and the club makers of your. I'm guessing as the clubs got better, they made those 
pop bunkers pottier and pottier. Maybe they were a little shallower back in the day. Perhaps. The other thing, you see Jordan Spieth with a quintessential Jordan Spieth round, scrambling about everywhere. He even hosled a flop shot, Blake, and said it took him a couple of holes to get his feet back under. He was shook. And then there was this from Kyle Porter of CBS. There are, And this is why I love the Open Championship. One of the reasons why it's my favorite golf tournament is the enormity of the grandstands and the crowds. Mm-hmm. Like, you have your golf events here in North America, and it brings out a very good golf audience. In England, and particularly in Scotland, it brings out the whole town. It brings out the whole county, the whole country in some cases. Kyle Porter, there are more people following the Rory Hovland Fleetwood Hatton group on Wednesday at Hoylake than there were on the entire grounds at the LA Country Club on Thursday and Friday combined. Blake, a practice round. We're talking practice here. Drew, massive galleries for the premier players and hometown heroes there at Royal Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, that U.S. Open was a big learning. Um, and, they, and, and you know, the fact they were selling so few tickets per day because the club said so, I mean, this means you can't go to that club. You just can't. You need to be able to share the event with people locally because that makes them want to host it. And the Open Championship has always got this right. It has always welcomed the townsfolk and been a part of part of the fabric of the town that's hosting it so uh, that's no surprise and and with all due respect to augusta but the walk up the 72nd for the champion is the best walk in golf and for me the best scene in golf with those massive grandstands and of course incredible golf fans there across the pond no matter what you're buying folks when you're out in the world looking for this that and the other i think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting you can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect... And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. I sure hope the Canucks, Caps, and other CFL clubs are paying attention to the BC Lions these days, because our market sure is. Yeah, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are a great draw, especially in the summer. As we know, the Flatlanders travel, they walk amongst us, so a big crowd at BC Play Saturday was always to be expected. But that the Lions open ticket sales up in the Upper Bowl Monday night tells you that response for this game is absolutely huge. Now, I think you can see a crowd of up to 28,000 here on Saturday. 
This after 33,000-plus attended home openers over the last two years and 20,000 turning up for their second home game a week ago Sunday, an increase of 6,000 from their second home game last year. It's now clear that owner Amar Doman and his team have the pulse of the community, have priced their tickets sensibly, and have continued the community outreach that the Lions have always excelled at. This is a good team, perhaps even a great team, but they don't have that unicorn quarterback, Canadian quarterback, like they did last year in Nathan Rourke. So anyone thinking that strong Lions attendance last season was a function of Rourke and a terrific offense has now been proven wrong. It goes deeper than that. Doman is not only luring back football fans to BC Place after some, let's face it, some lean years towards the end of ex-owner David Braley's tenure, he's also cultivating new fans, getting them through the gate. As club president Dwayne Vino told us last month, the public believes everything the club messages, and that's because they've built up trust. That's a wise observation, a key point when looking at attendance. Our friend Andy Dunn, president of the Vancouver Canadians, and the best sports operator in this town over the last decade, he often says, and we played with him, played Northlands with him on Tuesday, you get the attendance you deserve. And I love that line from Andy because it puts the entire onus on the club itself, its ticket selling and marketing operation. It, it removes all excuses. Well, the Lions have been getting, as the C's have for years, the attendance they deserve. And we always say Vancouver's an event town. I think the Lions and C's have figured that out. The Whitecaps have an exciting team and are poised to capture more fans this fall with a bid for the MLS playoffs and perhaps even a good run here in Leagues Cup. Canucks finally have alignment from ownership down to the coaching staff. The market is starved for winning hockey. If the Canucks can stay out of their own way, they could get back to the levels we saw 10 years ago. Lots of complaints this week about the price of single-game tickets, but here's the thing. With the Canucks and NHL hockey... If you're winning, the public will pay those prices, especially in this market. As for the CFL, there's a model of how to do things here in Vancouver, and it's been a decade since we've been able to say that. That's Welcome Ad for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email, live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. On Twitter, at Matt Sikaris, at Sikarison Price. And the welcome at a presentation of the aforementioned Northlands Golf Course, Metro Vancouver's premier public golf course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Don't, don't forget to join the loyalty program. As we tell all newcomers to Northlands, uh, there are two fairways you can miss and be okay. The first tee to the right and the fourth tee also to the right. Miss a fairway beyond that, you're in a whole lot of trouble. As our friend Andy Dunn found out on Tuesday. Get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Sick Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. I'll tell you what, what's happening at Applewood Kia right now because the electric revolution is officially underway. Have you ever heard of this? A fully electric vehicle dressed to the nines, fully loaded for $52,995 right now. You can get 6.49% financing for up to 84 months as well. So it's time to go electric, everybody. Applewood Kia. Bulldog poll question today. Who would you be most excited to see in Seattle this weekend? The Blue Jays, the Mariners, Taylor Swift, 
or none of the above. You can vote at Securitas and Price on Twitter. Vote on your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. This Lions Riders game, Blake. The line has moved from seven and a half to ten. So I'm going to take the BC Lions to score the first touchdown, given that this is looking more and more like a victory for the home team. First lines, first score lines, touchdown pace at plus 200 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is from MLB Network, NHL Network, a star-spangled Canadian, our dear friend, <laughs> Mr. Adnan Virk. How you doing, Adnan? Maddie Blake, great to catch up with both of you. Um, I didn't realize this was video, so thankfully I was able to download the Riverside link, did not have any issues, and I dressed up, wore my nice new suit. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll never get tired of telling the story. For those that don't know, Blake Price, when I was destitute, <laughs> gave me three of his suits and six of his shirts to this day. Every time I look at clothing, I go, never forget the generosity of Blake mm-hmm. Price. I'm sure Blake I don't remember Bruce- that one. I don't remember that one, Ed. Uh, <laughs> 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 If I could still fit into a suit 20 years later, God, I'd be proud of myself. <laughs> but, uh, it's crazy. I, I, seriously, on a, on a clothing side note, at the score, I don't know what your clothing deal, Blake, was with TSN. At the score, I'm mean, 24 years old. They'd give us four grand a year. Me and McAuliffe are doing backflips. We'd get two grand in the spring, two grand in the winter. Yeah. I go to NLSC. It was five suits for the year. Okay. ESPN, it was $1,500 every other year. What? Now, 750 bucks a year. I'm on TV 210 days a year. Yeah. Now, we had a great clothing woman who knew, like, uh, Lord & Taylor's the clothing shop in yeah. New York. All the discounts. So for 1500 bucks, stretching your dime here, you can get three suits, six shirts, six ties. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. That's all. Now at, M- now at MLB Network, after COVID, they go, you guys are on your own. Just get your own clothing. So this is the downward slide of clothing. Now I have to go buy my own suits. Thankfully, I found a guy in Vancouver uh, Ravi at Bo- Baines and Baker, and he goes, I'll sell these suits between us. I'm not paying full cost, but it's on national television. So uh, it's weird how it's happened. One of the many things that has changed in society. I'll get that okay. name off you. I'm exactly. get that name we off you. we got to get Ravi signed up here as a sponsor. <laughs> oh. He's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so answer me the Bodog poll question first, because we know you're not just a sports guy. You do pop culture and entertainment. Blue Jays, Mariners, T-Swizzle, who are you most excited to see in the Emerald City? <laughs> Maybe if I had teenage girls like Blake, I would probably go with the T-Swizzle. But all, all boys in my house, although maybe they're, they're, they're into Taylor Swift as well, maybe for her looks, who knows. But I will say about Taylor Swift, everybody tells me her concerts are incredible because she gets after it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Bruce oh, yeah. Springsteen is – now that I live in New Jersey four years, everybody has to like Bruce Springsteen if you live in the Garden State. <laughs> so Bruce is playing MetLife Stadium. And I was like, you know, I've never seen Springsteen. I'm probably going to go see him. It's like $200 tickets, whatever. Someone goes, one thing about Bruce, he plays three hours and gets after it. And they say the only one that can match him it's Taylor Swift. They go, really? she does like three-hour-plus shows, different sets. I'm like, wow. I never thought Bruce Springsteen and Taylor Swift in the same conversation in terms of energy and concert. So, honestly, as a music fan, I'm sure T-Swizzle will bring it, but obviously, Jay's I'm into. I had never been to Seattle, guys, until I was there for the All-Star break. Been to the lovely city of Vancouver twice, but I'd never been to Seattle. And uh, definitely shades of Vancouver, obviously, in terms mm-hmm. of climate. But i got to tell you, the biggest takeaway, 73 and sunny, no humidity. I said, this is incredible. Yeah. And every single person I said this to go, well... It's nine months of doom and gloom. So this is the summers that we get on top of that. Seven but, months. Know, seven months seven of doom months, and gloom. Right? All right? We yeah. get five good months. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you, man, it was a beautiful city. And uh reminded me a lot of San Francisco, actually. You know, just very West Coast mm-hmm. vibe. And, and the Dusty Baker told me it's one of his favorite cities. And I said, why? And he goes, well, the water meets the mountains. And, you know, good seafood, good people. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope the Mariners are better. So I can finally get back to Seattle one day. But All-Star game was great. Here's the thing. Whether you go to the concert or you go to the baseball game, Still a great night, Adnan. (laughs) 
<laughs> still a great night. Yeah, yeah. We need to always include inside jokes here. What Matt is referring to is I did the Oscars with Ben Lyons. And for those who are unaware, there's actually the Oscars you watch on TV, but there's the live feed on Oscar.com. And after they announced the wrong winner as Moonlight won Best Picture, it was not actually La La Land. Ben intoned, still a great night for the Academy. And Matt still remembers that joke. And that was a reference. Oh, and that was. And that was that a was reference to Steve what? Harvey. Yes, a Steve Harvey reference uh, yes. as well. So we're yeah. we're layers. We're just like an Inception joke. It's an, it's a joke within a joke within a joke. Philippines, yeah. the winner. Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were talking about the Mariners, uh, or we'll talk about the Mariners. We've been talking about them all week, but they are like the most five hundred team ever. Adnan, um, tell us. Why are they this consistently inconsistent club? And should they be expecting more in what's left of the season? And will management help them out and add more here before the trade deadline in August? I really think they should be better, Maddie. You know, you look at this team and their pitching is terrific. The guy that I love is George Kirby, who's pitching today. And what I love about him is, you know, especially when I coach Little League as much as I have in my life, I like the guys that can throw strikes and not walk. And that's what George Kirby does. He leads qualifiers 0.9 walks per nine. That's 11 walks and 112 and a two-thirds innings. No one throws more pitches in the strike zone than George Kirby at 57%. So he's a guy I particularly have a fondness for. And it's 3-4-3 ERA. But, you know, Castillo is obviously great. Logan Gilbert I just interviewed last week at MLB Network. Great guy as well. So, like, their pitching is terrific. It's their offense. And I look at their numbers. They have the second most strikeouts in all of baseball. Like, you look at the top strikeout leaders, and you will see Mariners all over the place. And I don't want to be the guy to dump on Julio Rodriguez because we all love him. He's the next big thing. He's got an eight-pack. I mean, he's, he's very charismatic. And especially being there in Seattle, I saw how much adulation and adoration is towards him. But, Man, he hasn't been the same guy he was a season ago, and they're not going to be better if he's not better, if Jared Kelly's not better, if Cal Raleigh's not better. Like Their offense should be better. So in answer to your question, Matt, they're a game under 500. They feel like that quintessential 500 team. And this is where it gets tricky because you start to delude yourself a little bit and say, well, we're only four games out of a wild card spot. And you go, yeah, but there's five other teams there. Are we actually better than them or not? So one thing with Jerry DePoto is you guys know he likes to make moves. He likes to make trades. I'm sure he's looking for some bats right now, can deal some of that young pitching. Because Seattle, after finally ending the playoff drought a year ago, should be a playoff team this year, I would at least have thought on paper. Or they could go out and acquire one guy who pitches <laughs> and bats. Should the winner of this series get Shohei Otani? Should it be that clear? Um, it, it's a nice, easy way, tidy way to decide who gets them. And both teams are apparently interested in it. I mean, are, the, are both of these markets legitimate landing spots? And is that midseason here before the deadline, or is it next year in the offseason? So I think it's in the offseason. I don't think Artie Moreno-Blake wants to be known as the guy that traded Shohei Otani. Like, at the very least, he'll take two more months of Otani with tons of revenue at the gate, tons of Japanese uh, you know, advertising revenue and selling jerseys. And he's going to win MVP. So at least he can say, well, you know what? We signed this guy for four years. He won an MVP twice. He's going to go down as an all-time angel, all-time baseball great. It happens. Now, I, I get the other aspect of it, which is, if you know you're going to lose the guy, you're going to get something for nothing. But I don't think Arino thinks it's a fait accompli that he's gone. I think he probably realizes deep in his heart the Dodgers are the favorite. But he's like, dude, he's been in Los Angeles, which he clearly likes. He likes the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Three-hour flight to Japan. Great weather. He's comfortable here. Like, I, I can give him $600 million. Like, money is not the issue. This isn't like a small market team. Like, the Rays know they're going to lose this guy. Like, Moreno probably thinks, no, I could re-sign him. Maybe others tell me it's the Dodgers, but I, I'm still in this thing. So I don't think he wants to trade him for that. Now, you mentioned Seattle when I was there. 
cheer. I started laughing. I was in the, in the ballpark. I heard the chants, you know, we want Otani or come to Seattle, whatever they were chanting. And I kind of laughed and I turned to one of my friends. And I said, why would he come to Seattle? And he said, what do you mean? I go, no offense. I said, he's in Los Angeles. And I'm not trying to be like a, you know, as a so-called snob, but I'm like, why would you leave Southern California? Like, and it's 80 and sunny. It's a quick flight to Japan. And the Dodgers makes the most sense. Again, you're going from a team in the Angels who don't win to the Dodgers who always win, or at least are in the mix, or at least going to win the division. You've got other stars in Kershaw, Mookie, and, and Freeman. Like, why would I go to Seattle? And they said, well, you could follow in Ichiro's footsteps. And I said, okay. Like, I get the fact that, hey, it's cool to see another great Asian baseball player there, but I I really don't see it. Like, I just, somebody has to sell me on what does Seattle have that L.A. doesn't have. The only one would be this, I suppose. Hey, in L.A., you might get lost in the shuffle because there's other stars like Mookie and Freddie, and, and you could be the guy in Seattle. But Otani doesn't strike me that way. Like, I don't think he wants to necessarily be the guy. I think he needs to be a guy. I think he wants to win, and the Dodgers are closer to winning than Seattle. And again, he's going to get the money from the Dodgers anyways. You want $600 million? No problem. You want $700 million? No problem. The Dodgers have more money than anybody. So I... I I, I wouldn't say I'm amused by it because it sounds like I'm being like petty towards the Mariners, but I just don't know why he would choose the Mariners over the Dodgers. I really don't. Did you say three-hour flight from L.A. to Japan? No. He said an easy no, no, flight. No, no, yes, no. Oh, I okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, thanks to Mac, the devil's in the details. Speaking I, of flights, by the way, six-hour flight from Newark to Seattle, but three-hour mm. delay on the tarmac. Mm. I mean, we're nine hours in the plane. I don't mm. know about you guys are veteran flyers, I'm sure. I get a little claustrophobia kicking in here. I'm like, can we open up a window? I'm like, no. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just quickly popped a melatonin and told the guy next to me, sorry if I start snoring. I'm going to be out for a while. <laughs> what um, – um, what is your synopsis of the Blue Jays to date, and how confident are you that they're a postseason team? I feel better about them, I think, Maddie, than most. I, I think they really haven't taken off just yet, but they've got the talent to do so. You know, Springer's hitting 315 his last 50 games. Bobuchet leads the American League 321 batting average. Vlad Jr., much was made of the fact he was not hitting home runs at Rogers Center with the new dimensions. Zero homers his first 31 games. At home, he's got four in his last 14. Matt Chapman leads the American League with 30 doubles. So offensively, I feel pretty good. They could still use another bat, right-handed bat perhaps. The surprise has been their catchers. You know, they deal Moreno in the D-backs trade. He's not very good offensively. He's great defensively for Arizona. But Kirk hasn't really hit. Neither has Danny Jansen. So a little surprising they haven't had offense there. And Dalton Varsha, who they got from Arizona, he hasn't hit. He's tremendous defensively. He's not very good offensively. So wouldn't mind another bat. Wouldn't mind another bullpen arm to help uh, eighth inning against Swanson, ninth innings Romano. But the real key here has to be Alec Manoa. Because if I look at their starters, Gossman's top five pitcher in the American League. Barrios looks like he's back. Three and a half ERA. Great. Bassett, much better at home than on the road. At home, 247 ERA on the road, 581. But he's like a number three, number four guy. Kikuchi, better than expected. Again, number three, number four guy. And you're getting Ryu back. If Manoa could just be a serviceable number three, if he could go six innings, four runs, I think they'd take that. But the problem is... He's been so disastrous this season, and that last start against the Padres does not inspire confidence. Mm. They have to figure out in the next two weeks, do we need another starter? Because if Manoa can, again, I'm not asking for signing Manoa. I'm looking for number three, number four starter Manoa, then we're good. If not, we got to get another starter. But honestly, Matt, I, I think they're a playoff team. I really do. I think Baltimore or Tampa either wins the division and gets the wild card. Texas wins the West. Central winner is either Cleveland or Minnesota. That leaves two spots. I think it's Astros and Blue Jays. I think it's the Yankees and Red Sox who will miss out on the playoffs. What, what's the next step you do with Manoa? Do you put him in the bullpen or do you send him down for, for uh, you know, again, some, some uh, pick-me-up starts down there? 
So, Blake, I thought he got called up too quickly. Like, if you're yeah. going to make yes. that going all the way down, right? Like, dude, I, I thought July 21st he'd get called up. I did the math, and I go, two starts, and then trade deadline. He go, is he the guy or not? If not, we go, go get an arm. When they call him up that early, so wait, wait a second. He just got bombed at, like, Class A, then looked good at AA, and now he's back? And the, there's two thoughts I had on it. One, it was the Tigers. So they're looking at the schedule going toothless offense. They're third and fewest runs per game. Okay, build up his confidence. And you're going into the All-Star break, have a good start, and then for a week feel good about yourself. But instead, to me, it's kind of backfired. He really hasn't figured out the issue because he didn't look good against San Diego. No. So now his confidence is probably hurt even more. And you've still got two more starts to determine whether or not he is the guy going into the trade deadline. So I thought it was too much of a rush job. I think you give him two more starts. If he's not the guy, you probably have to go to the bullpen. I don't think you could send him down again. It would be too catastrophic to his confidence. Right. Uh, buddy, that's fantastic stuff. It's great to reconnect with you. Uh, we also, uh, I know you're the cinephile guy. Blake and I are also eyeing up this Oppenheimer movie, so we'll be interested in your review. Well, they're calling this weekend Barbenheimer, which is hysterical. Yes. I, I called it mistakenly Boppenheimer, but it is indeed Barbenheimer. So I never thought – someone kept saying to me, what are you going to see first? I said, what a laughable question. Of course I'm going to see Christopher Nolan, three hours, IMAX, the guy who built the atomic bomb. I mean, Christopher Nolan's so nuts, guys. He, he hates CGI, which I love. He goes, no, I like real, actual filmmaking. So he had to requisition a true weapon of mass destruction. He's like, no, no, we're not going to CGI this thing. I want an actual weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> we're going to have to do this atomic bomb movie as realistic as possible. The reviews are rapturous, as you would expect. Although someone did say to me the other day, he's never made mm -hmm. a bad movie. And I said, well, what's your excuse for Tenet, which I didn't care for? But yeah, Dunkirk, uh... Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, Memento, the guy's great. Now, how about this? I always generally see the movies by myself. It's how I prefer it. No one to talk to, no one to care about. Great. And one of my buddies from ESPN, we saw Dunkirk together. He goes, we got to go see Oppenheimer together. I said, okay, fine. Now we have to check schedules. Saturday, he's busy. He's doing WNBA. I said, all right, Sunday night. But Saturday, I'm free. My wife wants to see Barbie. And so I add me mm. and I'm going to see Barbie before I see Oppenheimer. But... The next cinephile, I'll have reviews of both. I never thought I'd be the guy going, oh, I've got to go see Barbie before Oppenheimer. Having said that, Margot Robbie, fellow Canadian Ryan Gosling, I hear it's funny, it's sly, it's a little I'm gonna, I'm going to see it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's going to be better than you expect. I think yeah. Barbie's going to have some good moments. I'll, I'll take in the Blue Jays game, but hey, fellas. <laughs> still a great night. Yeah, it will be. Still yeah. a great night. Yeah. At Anverk. Thank you, sir. Matty Blake, great to see you, fellas. This is Price from Wall Center, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, is brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. Jason recently got a Securison Price listener who was thinking of buying approved and locked into their rate for four months. Soon thereafter, rates increase. Jason saved the money. Hey, rates go down. This listener could always readjust. Jason will tend to the details you find him at Jason.Mortgage. Blake, I'm going to lead us off here with uh, some Seattle Mariners news, given the big weekend series against the Blue Jays. At Mariner underscore Conjack, Seattle Mariners, 47 and 47, 500. Last two games, one and one. Last four games, two and two. Last six, three and three. Last eight, four and four. Last 10, five and five. Last 20, 10 and 10. Last 60, 30 and 30. They can't. They are consistently inconsistent. They are the definition of a 500 team. They have had higher hopes. They're certainly their fans had higher hopes after the playoff series victory over the Blue Jays last year. Here's part of the problem. 
They're five and ten in Luis Castillo starts since April twenty eighth. You remember how good he was when he came over from the Reds last year. Castillo's been mostly good. I mean, he's not as good as last year. But that's not taking advantage of the day that your ace starts enough. If they were 10 and 5 and are five games over 500, then of course I think we'd feel a lot different about the season. Buster Olney of ESPN reporting that the M's are interested in New York Mets outfielder Mark Canna, uh, who they knew very well from his years in Oakland and has not worked out with the New York Mets. So we'll see if Jerry DePoto and the M's get aggressive at this trade deadline in, in order to try and boost their wildcard hopes. I'm just looking through their entire schedule. Uh, highest win streaks four, highest losing streaks four. Like they just, yeah, like they just, they're the break even guys. They're, they're they the really are. They really are at this <laughs> stage, and, and really, their starting pitching is good enough that they should be better than that. I would not be at all surprised if the M's go on a run here between now and September. Yeah, they've got some offense too. At Joe Pompliano, Inter Miami owner Jorge Mas told. CNBC, he expects Lionel Messi to double club revenue in year one. Uh, 2022 was 56 mil, 2023 expected to be 110 million. Moss also said the team's valuation could reach 1.5 billion next year, a 150% increase from the 600 million today. That would make Inter Miami the most valuable MLS club up from the 11th. And with Lionel Messi receiving equity in the team, he'll also participate in the upside. Yeah. He makes his debut. Tamara, like that's, I mean, one point five billion is almost twice what the Canucks are worth. I mean, it's certainly it's five hundred million more, yeah, more at least. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Yeah, it's that's, uh, that's why know, they think it was worth it. Of course, the second he retires, what happens to the franchise value then? Well, you have to have next, right? You have to you oh, have to hope that boy, his brand. Do you ever? But, you know, to a degree, that does happen in sport. You know, you create some success and we create some loyalty to the shield, and then the next guy wants to do that. I'm just not so sure that there's any athlete for any league or team that would enhance the value more than what Lionel no, Messi true. has done for an MLS yeah. side. Yeah. At Ben Steiner, double zero, FIFA World Cup. Christine Sinclair tells the media at match day one that she's done talking about negotiations with Canada Soccer, mentions an agreement is on the verge of being signed. Um, fantastic that we're done talking about this. For fantastic that an agreement is on the verge of being signed. Now the tough part, will it affect attitude, disposition, atmosphere, and everything that Canada needs in its favor, in its favor going into tonight's match against Nigeria and through this group play where you have the host Australians on the docket. She says she hasn't thought of it in weeks. I don't know if I believe that, but um, yeah, the the sooner this is officially in the review, again, from from all that I've heard, the, the offer hasn't changed in like a year. No. So um, is damage done here, or are these athletes able to set aside the politics and the financials yeah. and just go out and play? Um I have my doubts based on what we saw with the men's team at the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope. At the tennis letter, a glaring display of bad sportsmanship. Shui Zhang's opponent, Kiara Toth, erased a ball mark as Zhang was pleading to speak with a supervisor about a bad call. Quote, wait, wait, keep the mark, end quote. Zhang was booed and retired 
from the match, awful, just awful. This is in uh, Budapest. A Hung- she's facing a Hungarian player. Ooh. She hits a forehand, beautiful cross-court forehand. It lands on the chalk. This is on a clay event, so you can see so the you can see the mark. You can see the mark, and it's very clearly half. It's half and half, half on the line, which means it's in. And she's going, no, it's in. It was called out. Uh, the umpire refused to come down and look at the mark. And while she was pleading with her, come down, look at the mark. The opposition player from Budapest walks over and smudges the mark oh away. My goodness. Horrible from the umpire, (laughs) horrible from the competitor, like, honestly. And I guess no Cyclops there at that tournament? Probably no Cyclops, especially because it's clay and it's a lower-ranking event. But but it's fully televised. Like, the evidence is there. If you're Zhang's, (laughs) like, you're sending that to the WTA and saying, do something. Lastly, for me, at Nuclear Golf, (whistles) on Trump Turnberry, quote, until we're confident that any coverage at Turnbury would be about golf, about the golf course, and about the championship, until we're confident about that, we will not return any of our championships there. That's Royal and Ancient Chief Martin Slumber speaking to Bob Herrig, the American golf journalist. Wonderful. There has not been an open championship at Turnbury since 2009 when famously 59-year-old Tom Watson was not able to close out against Stewart Sink and lost in a playoff. And became Radio Lore. Exactly. (laughs) It last hosted the Senior Open in 2012. It is a course steeped in Open Championship history. It was the site of Greg Norman's first win, first major in 1986. It was also the site of the famous Duel in the Sun, where Tom Watson beat Jack Nicklaus on the 72nd hole in 1977 when the two best players in the world played spectacular golf on a beautiful day in Scotland. Uh, Nicholas hitting it out of the gorse bush on 18 and making birdie and Watson answering him. So there you have it. Um, Pretty much from what I hear from Mm -hmm. Martin Slumbers, until Donald Trump is no longer on this earth, I'm not sure you're going to see the Open Championship go back to, as golf courses go, a fantastic venue for the Open. And finally, for me at SI Now, Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio says Bill Belichick could be out if the Patriots don't make the playoffs. It's not just Florio, Matt. I've seen this everywhere. That it's a do-or-die season for the legend, for the hoodie, Bill Belichick. I mean... Eventually, you have to turn the page if you're the you, Patriots. I, I can understand why Robert Kraft's headspace would be going this way. I, I do think you have to answer the question, okay, who's replacing him and why is he better? Quarterback. It's an important position. It is, yeah. And that's hashtags for today. So Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. And we're joined on Thursdays by Rob Williams, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and our offside sports vertical, a.k.a. Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter. How we doing, Rob? Great, guys. I got a... Uh, I'm a little upset, though, because uh, I'm not going to be able to buy my uh, Blue Jays hat at the uh, Mariner's shop. I'm going to I'm gonna have to find one before I go, uh, before I go down, the, down the I-5 here. Mm. We... Um... We noted that item earlier this week that the M's team store was selling Blue Jays apparel. But, Rob, as I noted, 
I have bought Blue Jays apparel at the M's team store in the past. <laughs> like, this wasn't anything new. Right? I okay. mean, they're smart business people. Oh, they're smart business people at the team store. Yeah, no, Carmen bought a Vladdy Guerrero t-shirt there a few years ago. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, why don't we start there then, buddy? Um, because it is our Bodog poll question. Who are you most excited to see this weekend in Seattle? The Blue Jays, the Mariners, or Taylor Swift? <laughs> you know, I am going down. I am going down for the game, so I am excited to see the the Blue Jays. I'm not much. A, I'm, I'm not a Swifty, so I, I'm not uh, not excited to see that. But I, I I'm I don't. Maybe I'm losing touch, guys. But I had no idea that Taylor Swift was this big, like like earth shattering big, like like. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. This is this is like like six hundred dollar hotel rooms big. Yeah, thousand dollar hotel. Okay, so I looked yeah. at the cheapest hotel room in Seattle for a story I wrote uh, yesterday. Cheapest ho- hotel in downtown Seattle on Saturday night is over fourteen hundred dollars right now. Wow. <laughs> that's oh, and that's wow. for a that's U.S. That, that's dollars? Canadian dollars. That is that's okay. Canadian dollars for one night in a modest two oh. and a half star hotel in uh, in Belltown in downtown Seattle. Uh, yeah, oh, wow. the, this is it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be a busy one at the border. I think this is one where I uh, thank our friends here at the Wall Center for helping me out with accommodations in Seattle uh, on Friday evening. Uh, what do you think the split is these days, Rob, in British Columbia in terms of Blue Jays, Mariners fans? We used to do polls way back when on TSN 1040. At best, I think it got to 50-50. It was usually more 60-40 Blue Jays. But what do you think? And especially after last year's playoff series where, needless to say, the M's got over on the Blue Jays. I, in fact, I know some Blue Jays fans here in Vancouver who said, no, I'm skipping this here. I can't be in that stadium and hear all the taunts and teases <laughs> mm-hmm. about the Blue Jays breaking down in that playoff series last year and squandering a huge lead to the M's. But what do you think the split is fan-wise here in BC? Well, I mean, you tell any trash-talking Mariners fans that the the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, you know, count success by championships, not by uh, not by series wins here, right? Yeah, Two that's time, right. That's right. Rob. That's right. Two time, back-to-back. We're yeah, no, serious. it's 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 always it's fascinating to me, like you know who cheers for the Mariners and who cheers for the Blue Jays. You ask a Mariners fan in Vancouver how many Mariners fans there are in Vancouver, and I think they'll give you a pretty inflated number. Uh, I think this has changed though, like you know from growing up in in Vancouver, you know, like I remember, like I I, I cheered on the Jays when they when they won the World Series, but then I remember cheering on the Mariners when they made the playoffs in 1995 with with uh, Griffey and all that, uh, you know, and that was a big deal in Vancouver. Like there were a lot of people in Vancouver cheering on the Mariners then. And I definitely like have seen it. I, I feel like it's gone down quite a bit. And I think the, the, the biggest reason for that now is we're less connected to Seattle by television that we used to be. Like we used to, you know, you know, back in the days when you only got 30, 40 channels, and like five of them were Seattle local channels. You ended up watching a lot of Seattle television. And in those days, Mariners games were on, you know, whatever they were, Como or King or whatever. Periodically. Not yeah. And whatnot. So yeah. you had a, a much stronger connection to Seattle by television. And of course, now it's t- just the exact opposite. There's almost no Mariners games on, on television. Uh, you're not spending time watching local Seattle television like you may have been doing in the past. 
And now every single game, every Blue Jays game is not only on it's not only on on Canadian television, but it leads every all sports channel, um, you know, in, in the summertime. So uh, I think now there's it's it's probably an eighty twenty split. I think the Mariner the, those who are Mariners fans, I think there's a high percentage of, the, of them are diehard fans uh, in Vancouver. Whereas there's probably a lot more people like myself that it's a, I'm a Blue Jays fan, but like I'm not, you know, I'm not a diehard. I'm not watching every game on, on television or anything like that. Uh, so I think you find now a way bigger percentage of the casual fan is a Blue Jays fan now than a Mariners fan in Vancouver. When you're down there, of course, and order your, your beer, um, it'll likely come in an aluminum bottle, um, which is often the case in, in U.S. facilities. Um, aluminum is coming to BC Place only in a little different turn here. I'd never seen this uh, south of the border. It's going to be aluminum, but they're beer cups, so they're still going to be pouring you a draft. This is for Whitecaps and Lions going forward. They say these are better recyclable options, I guess, than than with a huge buildup of plastic. That's right. Yeah. So plastic cups uh, for beer are, are, are is going away at BC Place. So. Uh, you know, every sporting event I've ever been to in in, in the Lower Mainland, uh, if you get draft beer, it comes in a in a plastic cup. Uh, they've already introduced twenty uh, four ounce uh, aluminum cups now at BC Place. So if you get if you buy a beer at uh, Whitecaps or Lions this weekend, uh, the, one of the large ones, the twenty four ounce uh, cups, it'll be in an aluminum cup. Uh, for now, the 12 ounces are going to be in a plastic cup, but, it, but apparently that's in the works now too. So pretty soon th- that'll be going away as well. And, uh, every time you, you buy a beer, it'll be in an aluminum cup. So I think there's a couple things there. One is it's, it's better for the environment. And so it can be recycled over and over and over apparently. Uh, but the, but the other part is that it's going to keep your beer colder longer. So I think that's, yeah. that's an interesting twist too. And- could be a souvenir too, guys, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like you're yeah. not obliged to recycle. You can take it home. Take it looks it like home. a decent yeah. little cup, so who knows? Got to be empty as yeah. you're leaving the stadium. But <laughs> yes. yeah, I, could, I know the Vancouver Canadian uh, Nat Bailey Stadium has gone to cans this year. You can really? buy a can of beer at Nat Bailey Stadium. But I also know that our friend Andy Dunn has said, if we have one incident with the cans, that'll be the end of the cans. Right. So behave accordingly. <laughs> uh, Rob, you wrote on Canucks backup goaltending this week. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think this is uh, kind of flying a little under the radar right now. I think this is a very concerning spot for the Canucks. Um, you know, I think everyone has a lot of confidence in Dr. Demko, but what if he, you know, what if he gets fatigued? What if they overplay him? What if he gets injured again? Um, you know, I, I think the, the Canucks were probably doomed anyways last year, but they, you know, the nail in the coffin in their season was when Demko went down with an injury. So what... What are they going to do next season? They haven't really addressed it. Um, they they signed a free agent Sachenko, who had worse numbers in the AHL last season than than Seelovs or Martin. Uh, is Spencer Martin? Does he warrant another look as a as a backup? I mean, he's on the one way contract, but to put all your eggs in that basket, I think that's taking a risk. I think Arthur Seelovs. I think everyone hopes that he can translate his success from the, the world championships into the NHL. But, you know, this is a goaltender with really only, you know, limited, limited pro experience in North America. Uh, he probably, for his development, should be playing a majority of the games uh, in the AHL. 
you know, are you gonna, are you just gonna hand him the keys to the, to the, that backup job and just and just hope he he runs with it? You know, now it's it's just the backup job, of course. But you know, for a, a team like the Canucks, that's probably you know best case scenario is a borderline playoff team. If your backup isn't up to snuff, that could be the difference between making it or missing it. You can't spend. Jeff a- Patterson always says you need ten to twelve wins out of that backup goaltender, right? Assuming you're. Assuming your starter is going to give you thirty plus, then ten to twelve wins out of that backup gives you a playoff team. So you're you're quite right, Rob. It's a very important position. I just think a lot of people here have confidence in Silovs. Well, after the not, world, not to I mention think. the economics. I mean, you cannot add another salary. They've got they've mm-hmm. got a, a couple of guys here that they hope they can do the job. Let's face it: if Thatcher Demko is injured, the chances are they're missing the playoffs as a result of it anyway. Um, I, I just think you can't afford to devote any more dollars to so, it. I, I think they have to get they have to roll the dice. Yeah, I mean, the, the you're right on that. I think I think if you can sign a, another goaltender to. You know the number that you can you can sign a goalie to is one point one five million because that's the Burial. that's the that's the, no. the maximum number of dollars right. you can you can bury a, a contract in the AHL. The the guy I'm wondering about is maybe Martin Jones, maybe Alex Stalock. I know these are not guys that like you know if, if Demko goes down for three months, you're doomed either way. I, th- I think you're quite right there, but at the same time, like it's it's also about you know. Is Rick Tockett going to have confidence in the backup that his backup can win them a game, or does he not? And ends up overplaying Demko, and then that leads to an injury. I think that's the 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 part for me that that um, you know warrants consideration. So, you know, is Martin Jones or Alex Steelock are, are they like surefire great backups for you? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I think if you add it, just add another guy there, and then maybe you know that gives you another option to to. Jones to, will give you play. a hometown discount too, so um, I, I I think he would probably be a prime candidate for for that kind of a contract late in his career. So yeah, that's that's a possibility. The other thing I'm wondering about Rob is you, you still have a number of UFAs out there, either Pai Suter as a third line center, Matt Dumba. We're still awaiting these big trades of Eric Carlson, maybe the Calgary and and Winnipeg guys. It has been a very slow moving NHL summer. I think it's fair to say in terms of player transactions, and I do wonder whether you're going to see some bargains in August or even in the last ten maybe. days of of July here. So. I, I do wonder whether the Vancouver Canucks are going to take a, <coughs> excuse me, convene another roundtable here of all their pro scouts and say, okay, guys, we thought the summer would go this way, but here's what's ha- happening or here's what's not happening across the league. Are there opportunities there that we can take advantage of and improve the club? Yeah, I mean, I do wonder, like, once that calendar hits September, I feel like every free agent that doesn't have a contract starts to go, oh, crap, like, you know, I better sign somewhere, right? And I think that's yes. where you, that's, you know, like the Thomas Vanek uh, deal the Canucks had a few years ago. I think you can see a few more of those uh, around mm-hmm. the league and, and you know. But it, probably not here with no and, cap space. And, and, well, yeah, but that's I also, trouble. yeah, but, uh, but I also wonder, like, as it get, are there opportunities on Besser? Are there opportunities on Garland, on Maybe. Myers, where you can move money around? Uh, and perhaps reconfigure certain elements of the club here. So, yeah. and I do wonder, um, just in terms of like you know, if you're if you're signing someone to a really cheap deal, then maybe that allows you to put someone else in the minors, and maybe you know, maybe it's not like such a a, a big add to your to your cap. 
And when it comes to those kinds of players, they're going to be looking for opportunities, right? Because they're going to be signing a one-year deal and they were going to want to know, where can I go where, you know, I, where my numbers are going to be looking good for next offseason and I can maybe uh, cash in. Third line center, Vancouver is a pretty good spot. They've got a lot of scoring wingers, probably put up some points in that situation. And, and backup goalie, you know, that, you know that the competition is not fierce uh, for that job. Marvelous stuff, Rob. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll catch up with you next Thursday. You too. Thanks, guys. So here's some price from Wall Center, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. And you can text us at 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox 37 locations here in the lower mainland and of course great clips it's gonna be great errors and omissions from yesterday's program i have two first i'll self-report i asked connor bedard a question about the the uh, wingers that the blackhawks have brought in for him i mentioned felino and uh cory perry i missed that taylor hall guy of course he got to him in his mm-hmm, answer mm-hmm, he did sharp kid that bedard and then uh, Grady, Manitoban, not Manitobian. Mm, I, I know there was that. a little confusion there yesterday. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I caught myself in the moment. You, then, you sort of caught yourself. And then I screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything? I, I uh, ain't no Manitobian. Yeah. No. <laughs> Anything uh, on your end, Grady? I do have one. No? Uh, you referred to Blake. Now you were talking when we were talking with Bedard about Bedard being on his side of the town. Last I checked, Blake didn't grow up in Lynn Valley. Oh, so we're splitting, we're splitting. North Van, are in, we? In East honor and of West? Yerke okay. And some of the areas in Ottawa, Gatineau region, mm-hmm. I decided to take uh, issue with that one. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. Wow. Lynn, is... Shout out Lynn Valley. Mm-hmm. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price, not from Lynn Valley. No. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like? What you got? Um, I'm going to the Women's World Cup, USA versus Vietnam. Oh, please. Um, the U.S. The poor Vietnamese. The U.S. never hold back, as we know. Uh, there is no, oh, we're up, we'll just uh, you know rag the puck here. Oh, they need their glory. They, they need, need their, their social media impressions. They need Megan Rapino needs to feed her ego. Uh, they, they will happily win twelve nothing. Mm-hmm. So they're minus six right now, at minus one oh eight. Gladly giving up the six goals. All I'll say is that Vietnam won the big one against the USA. <laughs> oh, God. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Please do subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. And then follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.